Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Speaking for Him podcast. My name is Andrew Gomison, your host. I am very grateful to be with you. Have a lot of exciting uh, things to share. First, I want to talk to you about what is going on. <laughs> Well, there is a lot going on this week, and first of all, on a personal note, I have to say that on the day of this recording, there was a monumental event, shall we say, that took place at the Potter's House High School. I was able to share a meal with a number of my coworkers at one time. And it's been almost a year um, since we sat down as a group to enjoy a meal. And I just really enjoyed that and it really encouraged me on this day. So that's the first thing uh, that I wanted to mention. And then the next thing I want to mention is the Pilgrim's Progress Project is done. I am super excited that uh, all of our hard work... Over the last, let's see, it was July when we started recording. It's now March. So, in effect, uh, about eight months has gone into this project. I'm super uh, grateful to Caleb Thiessen for producing it for us. And now it is finally ready for us to share with you. So, stay tuned for the very first installment of The Pilgrim's Progress. Um, there will be about 10 installments, um, so over the next 10 weeks, you'll hear from this wonderful recording that we did, which is, in effect, um, an unabridged recording of the book, The Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. Um, I did um, have a couple times where I altered things um, to make it a little more narrative in style, but I did my best not to eliminate anything, and so basically what you're going to hear is just a very artfully a uh, well-acted version of the complete manuscript of Pilgrim's Progress. And I'm actually really excited about this and excited about providing uh, people with um, many different public domain works um, done in this format, inspired by the fact that I used to listen to audio Bibles as a kid, and I was like, if you can do it with the Bible, you can do it with other books. And a couple... Uh, well, several years ago now, we did a Christmas carol, and that was a, a real blessing, and I believe a big hit on the podcast. Um, and we weren't really under the under the auspices of of the Speaking for Him Readers Theater at that point, but I've officially begun the Speaking for Him Readers Theater. So our official kickoff is the Pilgrim's Progress, but I guess you could say that a Christmas carol was our beginning. So, very excited to share that with you. All right, well, I have a couple different uh, stories or different uh, current events topics that I want to address on today's show, and um, I really think that these are needful and timely, and so I will be sharing with you some remarks made by two different uh, people that I have come to respect. Um, uh, one is an actor who has become increasingly uh, active in the political sphere because he has seen the need to speak out for what is right and true, and that is Kevin Sorbo. 
Uh, what I'm going to play for you first is a couple different clips uh, of an interview that he did at the recent CPAC um, 2021 conference, which is a conference of conservatives from across the nation who get together to encourage each other. And I know people will say, well, you shouldn't be involved in the political arena if you're a Christian. Uh, but I want to just throw out the, out here without uh, belaboring the point that the Christians of the first century church were Christians who were um, who were under dictatorships. They didn't have the opportunity to choose their leaders leadership or to speak out for conservative ideals in the Times Square, so to speak, in the town square. Uh, but they did, as Paul did, um, uh, refer to their citizenship when the opportunity arose. So I don't think it's an anti-biblical thing to be concerned about the things in this country. And I think we are in a unique place in America to be able to make our voices heard. And I think that, yes, things are waxing worse and worse in our world as a whole, whole but as I've said many times through the years, my main encouragement and hope is that Christians will not be a part of us going away from biblical values. Not just because we have maybe espoused something that wasn't necessarily biblical, but more so from a place of omission. Uh, because remember, when God called Moses to leave the children of Israel out of Egypt, he could have just said a few words, and he would have been able to uh, let them go without any uh, help from Moses. But God wanted to use Moses, and he didn't want to act until Moses was willing. So I think it's really important for us to realize that God may have a place for us to be active. And I think the, the one of the things that I often think about is that the left has no problem uh, being vocal about their agenda. And so I think it's time for people uh, to push back. And Kevin Sorbo kind of sets the table for some of this in his first clip. Hey, welcome back, everyone. We're here at CPAC in Florida. We're sitting down with Kevin Sorbo. And Kevin Sorbo, real pleasure having you on. It's good to be here. I'm glad we worked this out because we were going to do it uh, via Skype. This is much better in person. Yeah, we're going to do Skype, but I found out you were going to be in CPAC. Yeah. I'm glad to have you here. Now, I know you're, of course, Hercules. You did this really most popular show on television for a long time. And, you it know, was. with the way culture is gone now, you become actually one of the louder voices on Twitter <laughs> and social media. It was interesting to see, actually. Well, you know, it's interesting. You know, back in the 90s when I was doing Hercules, I shot seven years down in New Zealand. I got to brag, we did become the most watched show in the world in 176 countries. Gotta throw that in. Um, all we had back then is you've got mail. So we didn't have this social media where I could have built probably up millions of people follow at that time. But um, I have jumped on it more in the last, you know, half, you know, five, six years or so. But uh, I'm kind of waking up to it now and finding out that uh, you can't say everything because it will be censored. Well, and people were saying this, actually. You, you know, yeah. you, you don't hold back. You don't have, you're not afraid to call out nonsense when you see it. You're not afraid yeah. to you stand up for your values sure. when, when it calls for it. And I know now you've been censored by Facebook. 
And I think people were kind of shocked by that. I know you had, what, half a million I followers? 550,000 followers. They actually took down the site completely. They won't even, they've been shadow banning me for over a year now. But they told me, they said, look, you're posting stuff about COVID. You're posting stuff about voter fraud. That's just not true. Uh, it is true. I'm posting opposing points of view. It wasn't just mine. I was putting in other doctors saying this. I was putting in things that people were saying about the voter fraud. Uh, but it wasn't on their agenda. It didn't follow what they considered, uh, you know, their fake news. So they just took me down completely. And they said that they gave me warnings. They didn't give me warnings. They just took me down because they don't like me because I'm a conservative. And so you see in this clip, Kevin Sorbo is basically talking about how he was on Facebook. I think he said he had 500,000 followers. So he was well respected and followed on that social media platform. And then he put forth views that were not in line with the agenda that the media wanted to put forth. And so he was censored from Facebook. Now I know that we often have differences of opinion on the issues related to COVID. Um, and I'm not going to belabor this point, but I just want to bring us back a few months to this time when there was a group of doctors who said that they had successful treatments for the coronavirus. And they were talking about the not only the best ways to treat it, but I think also the best ways to prevent it. And they were first started out beginning censored from all the major social media outlets. And then when that wasn't working because it kept getting shared, their very website was taken down and the, it begged the question, why are there um, vulgar and obscene websites that are very offensive to children and families and for any variety of reasons still able to be up in social media if these doctors were taken down so fast. Uh, the short answer is that if if it meets uh, their agenda, then it stays up. If it doesn't meet their agenda, then it goes down. And if you really take an honest look at things, you'll see that that is the case. This next clip that I have from Kevin uh, is him talking about the sacrifices that he made to be a Christian in Hollywood. You know, we're speaking to a lot of people in Hollywood, and there's yeah. like, you know, underground conservative movements, so they're all terrified of showing their identities sure. because they're afraid of not being able to be in the industry anymore oh, yeah. when it comes to the film industry. Now, yeah. you've kind of done what everyone's afraid of doing and faced everything everyone's afraid yeah. of happening to them, yeah. you know? What's life like after making that jump, I well, guess? Well, you know, when I became more vocal about 10 years ago, my agent and manager both said goodbye to me. Oh, really? They'll never say it, you know, behind closed doors, they'll admit to it. But in, like now they're interviewing me, they said, no, we didn't tell Kevin to leave. We just parted ways. They'd lie about it. I think more people are getting brazen about it just admitting to it. I mean, I've, I've heard some A-list actors say I'll never hire a conservative being in my movies. Well, it's so childish. It's so it's so infantile. But um, they said goodbye. So I had to form my own uh, production company. I got SorboFamilyFilmStudios.com. SorboFamilyFilmStudios.com. Please sign up. And uh, we're doing our own movies. And I've shot over since, God, I've shot over 45 movies since then. Knock on wood. It's hard to raise money for independent movies. But, uh, you know, I got three movies in the can coming out. I got 
the next movie funded. I'm doing the next Left Behind movie. Speaking of faith-based movies, I'll be directing that as well. So people need, the biggest killer in America right now is apathy. And there's too many people on the right that are afraid to speak up. They go, oh, well, what can I do? Well, you can do by just by being honest with yourself and, and, and post things. I don't care if you have five followers or five million followers. We need to be more brave and get out there and not be afraid of what's going to happen to our careers. And I really appreciated one of the last things that Kevin says in that clip. He says, we need to fight against apathy. I think that's one of the most irritating things to me, too, is uh, people who are really apathetic about what's going on around them. They're like, well, if it doesn't affect me, then I'm not going to to deal with it. Um, I was actually talking to a friend about this the other day. Um, actually, I think it was a, a student at the Potter's house, and I mentioned the movie The Patriot because I feel like it's the perfect example of what happens when apathy sets in. The premise of The Patriot is that Benjamin Martin was a ferocious warrior uh, in the French and Indian War, and he regretted what he did, so he gave up uh, fighting as a soldier. Then when it came time for independence to come to America, he refused to fight. But then it came to his family because his son Gabriel signed up to fight in the Revolutionary War for the Continentals. And then his son got captured by the Redcoats and his other son, his younger son Thomas, gets killed by a Redcoat and... Benjamin Martin realizes that he can no longer sit on the sidelines and just watch things happen. And I said, I really feel like that's the way we need to operate when we're dealing with things in our culture. We have an opportunity to say, this is important to me, especially when it comes to the moral issues of our day, such as the way we view marriage and the way we view the sanctity of human life. We have a really important opportunity to say, this is what we stand for and this is why we stand for it. Some people will say, well, the political issues of the day are divided from the gospel. I don't believe that for a minute because here's the situation. Let's take the the pro-life issue for, for one moment and just consider it in that context. Think about this. The fact of the matter is that God says all life is sacred. He said, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. He said you, that we were knit together in our mother's wombs, created by him for a purpose. So one of the problems with the pro-life issue has been that one side, the world, says that the pro-life issue is too religious the politicians, for instance, say that it's too religious, and the pastors often say that it is too political. But when we're talking about life and death, we need to not be afraid to stand up for life. And if we have a society where laws can be made to support life, we should support that. We can't afford to slip into apathy about that. We also have an opportunity to stand for marriage. Marriage is under fire like never before. God created marriage between a man and a woman. What? For the foundation of society. So that society would be furthered 
and that humanity would thrive. Over the last several years, we've seen 32 states define marriage as between a man and a woman for a lifetime in their state constitutions. Then the Supreme Court came along in 2015 and said that those couldn't stand, that they were unconstitutional. We need to continue this fight, and we need to be bold. And when people ask us why this fight is so important, we need to say, because God created marriage, and it matters. And the thing is, we're not going to a foreign country and expecting them to do things our way. We are simply saying, as our country, we do not want you to change the way that we do things. We are fundamentally a country that was made to respect the laws of God. Have we always done that 100%? No. We can sit here and talk about many ways in which we haven't, but that does not give us an excuse to not continue to fight for biblical values. Okay, the next story that I want to talk about is the Equal Rights Bill that's coming out of the House. I think the House passed it this week, and... Charlie Kirk, who is a young uh, political commentator that I greatly respect, had some key thoughts about this legislation. Right now, Congress is debating whether or not to pass what is called the Equality Act. The Equality Act sounds wonderful. Who could be against the Equality Act? Well, let's get into the specifics of what the Equality Act actually is. The Equality Act, which looks like it will pass the House of Representatives any moment now, and if you're listening to this, it might already be passed because it just looks like it's imminent from the House, basically aims to expand civil rights protections from the 1964 Civil Rights Act to add sexual orientation and gender identity as a protected class akin to race. So basically, what the Equality Act will do, and this is the New York Post's own reporting, it says, quote, rather than finding common sense, narrowly tailored ways to shield LGBTQ identifying Americans from truly unjust discrimination, this bill would act closer to a sword to persecute those who don't embrace newfangled gender ideologies. It would spoil a new sex binary that is quite literally written into our genetic code and is fundamental to many of our laws, not least the laws protecting the equality, safety, and privacy of women. So the Equality Act, again, sounds like a great idea, but what does it actually aim to do? The Equality Act will expand civil rights protections to men who think they are women. All right, so... In this first clip, uh, Charlie is talking about how this Equal Rights Act will be expanded to some very dangerous directions. The reality is that we all are worthy of equal rights. But this expansion of those rights would not be about equal rights and would, in effect, harm many people. You know, on on this 
transgender issue, people say, well, I need to be comfortable, so you need to allow me to be in the locker room where I feel most comfortable. But these people don't understand that they are making other people uncomfortable by the stand that they make saying they have to be in a particular locker room and potentially putting, uh, like he said, the safety of women at risk. Charlie continues. Here's the text, quote, An individual shall not be denied access to a shared facility, including a restroom, a locker room, and a dressing room. That is in accordance with the individual's gender identity. You can keep separate facilities for men and women, but then you have to redefine what men and women are. So basically, if you are a man who then suddenly proclaims that you are a woman, you can get access to women's locker rooms, you can compete in women's sports, and this we're already seeing this happen. We are seeing Connecticut track and field championships won by biological men. So now he's referring to the story that we mentioned a few weeks back here on the Speaking For Him podcast about these Connecticut runners who have been running in high school track and field events and actually have won several state championships. People who were born men, they are biologically men, but they are saying that they identify as women and so they are basically shredding the competition and these women who have worked all their lives to be successful athletes are saying, we know that we're not going to win when we go in uh, because there's no chance because they have been given the right to run against us and be be given our championships and our scholarships. So this doesn't, it's not just a matter of whether they feel comfortable. Again, it's affecting other people's chances for success. And he continues on in this final clip to talk about it, how it affects the consciences of those in the healthcare fields. The Equality Act will harm healthcare. The Equality Act will force faith-based healthcare providers to provide abortions and sexual reassignment surgeries and therapies. So if you are a Christian hospital, if you're a Catholic hospital, you are now going to have to open an abortion clinic. If you are Mount Sinai Medical Center in Miami, and you are a religious, devout, practicing, orthodox rabbi, you are now going to have to oversee and approve sexual reassignment surgeries at Mount Sinai Medical Center. The Equality Act would force many healthcare providers, including doctors and nurses, to violate their sincerely held religious beliefs on life and human sexuality. So it is so important for us to realize the far-reaching implications of a legislation like this. Now, Charlie has said on his show that he believes there are enough Democrats in the Senate who are uncomfortable with this bill that it will not pass, but we should not be deceived into believing that this is not the road that we are headed down. 
Hi guys, I'm super excited to share with you the Pilgrim's Progress, and that's coming up in just a moment. But before we begin, I just wanted to take a moment and let you know a couple things. First of all, I'm going to let you know that there may be some weeks over the next 10 weeks where there will be two podcast episodes. And this is because I want to make sure that I share with you the Pilgrim's Progress for 10 weeks uninterrupted, but there may be other reasons to come to you with a podcast. Specifically, I'm thinking of the week of Easter when I like to highlight the Passion Week in some way. So just know that you will continue to receive your weekly podcast, but there may be two podcasts on occasion. All right, now I want to acknowledge some very special people before we get into our drama for today. And first of all, I could not have uh, done this project without uh, Mr. Caleb Thiessen. Caleb spent hours and hours um, in editing and producing this for us. Uh, He even added sound effects. So I think you're really going to uh, enjoy being with Christian on this journey. And then I just want to acknowledge the cast for today's episode. I'm so blessed by the number of talented people that I can call my friends and really excited for this inaugural production from Speaking for Him, Reader's Theater, Pilgrim's Progress, starring Craig Abel as our narrator slash John Bunyan, Starring Alex Jacobson as Christian, John Wilson as Evangelist, Matthew Gomison in the role of Pliable, Adam Knobloch in the role of Obstinate, Katie Buker is with us in the role of Help, and Mr. Worldly Wiseman is portrayed by Richard Meninga. Thank you so much, guys, for your work on this project, and now enjoy Speaking for Him Readers Theater's production of... The Pilgrim's Progress. As I walked through the wilderness of this world, I lighted on a certain place where there was a den, and I laid me down in that place to sleep. As I slept, I dreamed a dream. I dreamed, and behold, I saw a man clothed with rags, standing in a certain place with his face from his own house, a book in his hand, and a great burden upon his back. I looked and I saw him open the book and read therein, and as he read, he wept and trembled, and not being able longer to contain, he break out with a lamentable cry, What shall I do? In this plight, therefore, he went home and refrained himself as long as he could, that his wife and children should not perceive his distress. But he could not be silent long because that his trouble increased. Wherefore at length he brake his mind to his wife and children and thus began to talk to them. O my dear wife and you, the children of my bowels, I, your dear friend, am in myself undone by reason of a burden that lieth hard upon me. Moreover, I am for certain informed that this our city will be burned with fire from heaven, in which fearful overthrow both myself with thee, my wife, and you, my sweet babes, shall miserably come to ruin, except the which yet I see not. Some way of escape can be found whereby we may be delivered. At this, his relations 
were sore amazed, not for that they believed that which he had said to them was true, but because they thought that some frenzied distemper had gotten into his head. Therefore, it drawing towards night, and they hoping that sleep might settle his brains, with all haste they got him to bed. But the night was as troublesome to him as the day. Wherefore, instead of sleeping, he spent it in sighs and tears. So when the morning was come, they would know how he did. He told them worse and worse. He also set to talking to them again, but they began to be hardened. They also thought to drive away his distemper by harsh and surly carriages to him. Sometimes they would deride, sometimes they would chide, and sometimes they would quite neglect him. Wherefore, he began to retire himself to his chamber to pray for and pity them, and also to condole his own misery. He would also walk solitary in the fields, sometimes reading, sometimes praying, and thus, for some days, he spent his time. Now I saw upon a time when he was walking in the fields, that he was, as he was wont, reading in his book, and greatly distressed in his mind, and as he, he read, he burst out as he had done before. What shall I do to be saved? I also saw that he looked this way and that way, as, as if he would run, Yet he stood still, because, as I perceived, he could not tell which way to go. I looked then and saw a man named Evangelist coming to him. Wherefore dost thou cry? Sir, I perceive by the book in my hand that I am condemned to die, and after that to come to judgment, and I find that I am not willing to do the first, nor able to do the second. Why not willing to die? Since this life is attended with so many evils... Because I fear that this burden that is upon my back will sink me lower than the grave, and I shall fall into Tophet. And, sir, if I be not fit to go to prison, I am not fit, I am sure, to go to judgment, and from thence to execution, and the thoughts of these things make me cry. If this be thy condition, why standest thou still? Because I know not whither to go. Then he gave him a parchment roll. And there was written within, Fly from the wrath to come. The man therefore read it, and looking upon Evangelist very carefully, said, Whither must I fly? Evangelist pointed with his finger over a very wide field. Do you see yonder wicket gate? No. Do you see yonder shining light? I think I do. Well, keep that light in your eye, and go up directly thereto. So shalt thou see the gate, at which, when thou knockest, it shall be told thee what thou shalt do. So I saw in my dream that the man began to run. Now, he had not ran far from his own door, but his wife and children, perceiving it, began to cry after him to return. But the man put his fingers in his ears and, and ran on, crying, Life! Life! Eternal life! So he looked not behind him but fled towards the middle of the plain. The neighbors also came out to see him run, and as he ran, some mocked, others threatened, and some cried after him to return. And among those that did so, there were two that were resolved to fetch him back by force. The name of the one was obstinate, and the name of the other pliable. Now by this time the man was got a good distance from them, 
But, however, they were resolved to pursue him, which they did, and in a little time they overtook him. Neighbors, wherefore are ye come? To persuade you to go back with us. That can by no means be. You dwell in the city of destruction, the place also where I was born. I see it to be so. And dying there, sooner or later, you will sink lower than the grave into a place that burns with fire and brimstone. Be content, good neighbors, and go along with me. What? And leave our friends and our comforts behind us? Yes, because that all which you shall forsake is not worthy to be compared with a little of that which I am seeking to enjoy. And if you will go along with me and hold it, you shall fare as I myself, for there where I go is enough and to spare. Come away and prove my words. What are the things you seek since you leave all the world to find them? I seek an inheritance incorruptible, undefiled, and that fadeth not away. And it is laid up in heaven and safe there to be bestowed at the time appointed on them that diligently seek it. Read it so, if you will, in my book. Tush! Away with your book! Will you go back with us or no? No, not I, because I have laid my hand to the plow. Come then, neighbor pliable, let us turn again and go home without him. There is a company of these crazed-headed coxcombs that when they take a fancy, by the end, are wiser in their own eyes than seven men that can render a reason. Do not revile. If what the good Christian says is true, the things he looks after are better than ours. My heart inclines to go with my neighbor. What? More fool still? Be ruled by me, and go back. Who knows whether such a brain-sick fellow will lead you? Go back. Go back, and be wise. Nay, but do thou come with thy neighbor pliable. There are such things to be had, which I spoke of, and so many glories beside. If you believe not me, read here in this book. And for the truth of what is expressed therein, behold, all is confirmed by the blood of him that made it. Well, neighbor obstinate, I begin to come to a point. I intend to go along with this good man, and to cast in my lot with him. But, my good companion, do you know the way to this desired place? I am directed by a man whose name is Evangelist to speed me to a little gate that is before us, where we shall receive instructions about the way. Come then, good neighbor. Let us be going. Then they went both together. And I will go back to my place. I will be no companion of such misled fantastical fellows. Now I saw in my dream that when Obstinate was gone back, Christian and Pliable went talking over the plain, and thus they began their discourse. Come, neighbor Pliable, how do you do? I am glad you are persuaded to go along with me. Had even Obstinate himself but felt what I have felt of the powers and terrors of what is yet unseen, he would not thus lightly have given us the back. Come, neighbor Christian. Since there is none but us two here, tell me now further what the things are and how to be enjoyed whither we are going. I can better conceive of them with my mind than speak of them with my tongue, but yet since you are desirous to know, I will read of them in my book. And do you think that the words of your book are certainly true? 
Yes, verily, for it was made by him that cannot lie. Well said. What things are they? There is an endless kingdom to be inhabited, and everlasting life to be given of us, that we may inhabit that kingdom forever. Well said. And what else? There are crowns of glory to be given us, and garments that will make us shine like the sun in the firmament of heaven. This is very pleasant. And what else? There shall be no more crying, nor sorrow, for he that is owner of the place will wipe all tears from our eyes. And what company shall we have there? There we shall be with seraphims and cherubims, creatures that will dazzle your eyes to look at them. There also you shall meet with thousands and ten thousands that have gone before us to that place. None of them are hurtful, but loving and holy, everyone walking in the sight of God, and standing in his presence with acceptance forever. In a word, there we shall see the elders with their golden crowns. There we shall see the holy virgins with their golden harps. There we shall see men that by the world were cut in pieces, burnt in flames, eaten of beasts, drowned in the seas, for the love that they bear to the Lord of the place, all well and clothed with immortality as with a garment. The hearing of this is enough to ravish one's heart. But are these things to be enjoyed? How shall we get to be sharers thereof? The Lord, the governor of the country, hath recorded that in this book, the substance of which is, if we be truly willing to have it, he will bestow it upon us freely. Well, my good companion, glad am I to hear of these things. Come on, let us mend our pace. I cannot go so fast as I would by reason of this burden that is on my back. Now I saw in my dream that just as they had ended this talk, they drew near to a very miry slough that was in the midst of the plain. And they, being heedless, did both fall suddenly into the bog. The name of the slough was Despond. Here, therefore, they wallowed for a time, being grievously bedaubed with the dirt, and Christian, because of the burden that was on his back, began to sink in the mire. Ah! Neighbor Christian, where are you now? Truly, I do not know. Is this the happiness you have told me all this while of? If we have such ill speed at our first setting out, what may we expect betwixt this and our journey's end? May I get out again with my life? You shall possess the brave country alone for me. And with that, he gave a desperate struggle or two, and got out of the mire on that side of the slough which was next to his own house. So away he went, and Christian saw him no more. Wherefore Christian was left to tumble in the slough of despond alone. But still he endeavored to struggle to that side of the slough that was still further from his own house, and next to the wicked gate. The which he did, but could not get out because of the burden that was upon his back. But as I beheld in my dream, a man came to him, whose name was Help. What are you doing here? Sir, I was bid go this way by a man called Evangelist, who directed me also to yonder gate, that I might escape the wrath to come. And as I was going thither, I fell in here. But why did you not look for the steps? Fear followed me so hard that I fled the next way and fell in. Give me thy hand. So he gave him his hand, and he drew him out and set him upon sound ground, and bid him go on his way. 
Then I stepped to him that plucked him out and said, Sir, wherefore, since over this place is the way from the city of destruction to yonder gate, is it that this plat is not mended, that poor travelers might go thither with more security? This Mary Slough is such a place as cannot be mended. It is the descent whither the scum and filth that attends conviction for sin doth continually run, and therefore it is called the slough of despond. For still, as the sinner is awakened about his lost condition, there ariseth in his soul many fears and doubts and discouraging apprehensions, which all of them get together and settle in this place. And this is the reason of the badness of this ground. It is not the pleasure of the king that this place should remain so bad. His laborers also have, by the direction of his majesty's surveyors, been for above these 1,600 years employed about this patch of ground, if perhaps it might have been mended. Yea, and to my knowledge, here have been swallowed up at least 20,000 cartloads. Yea, millions of wholesome instructions that have, at all seasons, been brought from all places of the king's dominions, and they that can tell say that they are the best materials to make good ground of this place. If so be it, might have been mended. But it is the slew of despond still, and so will be when they have done what they can. True, there are, by the direction of the lawgiver, certain good and substantial steps placed even through the very midst of this slew, but at such time as this place doth much spew out its filth, as it doth in its change of weather, these steps are hardly seen, or if they be, men, through the dizziness of their heads, set besides, and then they are bemeared to purpose. Notwithstanding the steps be there, but the ground is good when they are once got in at the gate. Now I saw in my dream that by this time Pliable was got home to his house again, so that his neighbors came to visit him, and some of them called him wise man for coming back, and some called him fool for hazarding himself with Christian. Others, again, did mock at his cowardliness, saying, Surely, since you began to venture, I would not have been so base to have given out for a few difficulties. So Pliable sat sneaking among them, but at last he got more confidence and then they all turned their tails and began to deride poor Christian behind his back, and thus much concerning Pliable. Now as Christian was walking solitarily by himself, he espied one afar off come crossing over the field to meet him, and their hap was to meet just as they were crossing the way of each other. The gentleman's name that met him was Mr. Worldly Wise Man. He dwelt in the town of Carnal Policy, a very great town, and also hard by from whence Christian came. This man, then, meeting with Christian and having some inkling of him, for Christian's setting forth from the city of destruction was much noised abroad, not only in the town where he dwelt, but also it began to be the town talk in some other places. Worldly wise man, therefore, having some guess of him, by beholding his laborious going, by observing his signs and groans and the like, began thus to enter into some talk with Christian. How now, good fellow, whither away after that burdened manner? A burdened manner, indeed, as ever I think poor creature had. And whereas you ask me whither away, I tell you, sir, 
I am going to yonder wicket gate before me, for there, as I am informed, I shall be put into a way to be rid of my heavy burden. Hast thou a wife and children? Yes, but I am so laden with this burden that I cannot take that pleasure in them as formerly. Methinks I am as if I had none. Wilt thou hearken unto me if I give thee counsel? If it be good, I will, for I stand in need of good counsel. I would advise thee then that thou with all speed get thyself rid of thy burden, for thou wilt never be settled in thy mind till then, nor canst thou enjoy the benefit of the blessing which God hath bestowed upon thee till then. That is that which I seek for, even to be rid of this heavy burden. But get it off myself I cannot, nor is there any man in our country that can take it off my shoulders. Therefore, am I going this way, as I was told, that I may be rid of my burden? Who bid you go this way to be rid of thy burden? A man that appeared to me to be a very great and honorable man. His name, as I remember, is Evangelist. I beshrew him for his counsel. There is not a more dangerous and troublesome way in the world than is that unto which he hath directed thee, and that thou shalt find, if thou wilt be ruled by his counsel. Thou hast met with something, as I perceive already, for I see the dirt of the slough of despond is upon thee. But that slough is the beginning of the sorrow that do attend those that go on in that way. Hear me, I am older than thou, Thou art like to meet with, on the way which thou goest, wearisomeness, painfulness, hunger, perils, nakedness, sword, lions, dragons, darkness, and in a word, death, and what not. These things are certainly true, having been confirmed by many testimonies. And why should a man so carelessly cast away himself by giving heed to a stranger? Why, sir, this burden upon my back is more terrible to me than are all these things which you have mentioned. Nay, methinks I care not what I meet with in the way. If so be I can also meet with deliverance from my burden. How camest thou by the burden at first? By reading this book in my hand. I thought so. As it has happened unto thee, as to other weak men, who meddling with things too high for them, you suddenly fall into thy distractions, which distractions do not only unman men, as thine, I perceive, has done thee, but they run them upon desperate ventures to obtain they know not what. I know what I would obtain. It is ease for my heavy burden. But why wilt thou seek for ease this way, seeing so many dangers attended, especially since, had thou but patience to hear me, I could direct thee to the obtaining of what thou desirest without the dangers that thou in this way wilt run thyself into, yea, and the remedy is at hand. Besides, I will add that instead of these dangers, thou shalt meet with much safety, friendship, and content. Pray, sir, open this secret to me. Why, in yonder village. The village is named Morality. There dwells a gentleman whose name is Legality a very judicious man, and a man of very good name, that has skill to help men off with such burdens as thine are from thy shoulders. Yea, to my knowledge, he hath done a great deal of good this way. Aye, and besides, he hath skill to cure those that are somewhat crazed in their wits with their burdens. To him, as I said, thou must go, and he helps presently. His house is not quite a mile from this place. 
and if it should not be at home himself, he hath a pretty young man to his son, whose name is Civility, that can do it, to speak on, as well as the old gentleman himself. There I say thou mayest be saved of thy burden, and if thou art not minded to go back to thy former habitation, as indeed I would not wish thee, thou mayest send for thy wife and children to thee in this village, where there are houses that now stand empty, one of which thou mayest have at a reasonable rate. Provision is there also cheap and good, and that which will make thy life the more happy is to be sure there thou shalt live by honest neighbors in credit and good fashion. Now was Christian somewhat at a stand, but presently he concluded, if this be true, which this gentleman hath said, my wisest course is to take his advice. And with that, he thus further spoke. Uh, which is my way to this honest man's house? You see yonder hill? Yes, very well. By that hill you must go, and the first house you come at is his. So Christian turned out of his way to go to Mr. Legality's house for help. But behold, when he was got now hard by the hill, it seemed so high, and also that side of it that was next the wayside did hang over so much that Christian was afraid to venture further, lest the hill should fall on his head. Wherefore he stood still and wotted not what to do. Also his burden now seemed heavier to him than while he was in his way. There came also flashes of fire out of the hill that made Christian afraid he would be burned. Here, therefore, he sweat and did quake for fear. And now he began to be sorry that he had taken Mr. Worldly Wise Man's counsel. And with that he saw Evangelist coming to meet him, at the sight also of whom he began to blush for shame. So Evangelist drew nearer and nearer, And coming up to him, he looked upon him with a severe and dreadful countenance, and thus began to reason with Christian. What dost thou hear, Christian? Christian knew not what to answer, wherefore at present he stood speechless before him. Art not thou the man that I found crying within the walls of the city of destruction? Yes, dear sir, I am the man. Did not I direct thee the way to the little wicket gate? Yes, dear sir. How is it, then, that thou art so quickly turned aside? For thou art now out of the way. I met with a gentleman so soon as I had got over the slough of despond, who persuaded me that I might, in the village before me, find a man that could take off my burden. What was he? He looked like a gentleman, and talked much to me, and got me at last to yield. So I came hither, but when I beheld this hill, and how it hangs over the way, I suddenly made a stand, lest it should fall on my head. What said that gentleman to you? Why, he asked me whether I was going, and I told him. And what said he then? He asked if I had a family, and I told him, but said I, I am so loaden with the burden that is on my back that I cannot take pleasure in them as formerly. And what said he then? He bid me with speed get rid of my burden, and I told him it was ease that I sought. And, said I, I am therefore going to yonder gate to receive further direction how I may get to the place of deliverance. So he said that he would show me a better way, and short, not so attended with the difficulties as the way, sir, that you set me in. 
which way, said he, will direct you to a gentleman's house that hath skill to take off these burdens. So I believed him, and I turned out of that way into this, if haply I might be soon eased of my burden. But when I came to this place and beheld things as they are, I stopped for fear, as I said, of danger, but I now know not what to do. Stand still a little, that I may show thee the words of God. So he stood, trembling. See that ye refuse not him that spaketh. For if they escaped not who refused him that spake on earth, much more shall not we escape if we turn away from him that spaketh from heaven. Now the just shall live by faith, but if any man draw back, my soul shall have no pleasure in him. Thou art the man that art running into this misery. Thou hast begun to reject the counsel of the Most High and to draw back thy foot from the way of peace, even almost to the hazarding of thy perdition. Then Christian fell down at his foot as dead, crying, Woe is me, for I am undone. At the sight of which Evangelist caught him by the right hand. All manner of sin and blasphemy shall be forgiven unto men. Be not faithless, but believing. Then did Christian again a little revive, and stood up trembling, as at first before Evangelist. Give more earnest heed to the things that I shall tell thee of. I will now show thee who it was that deluded thee, and who it was also to whom he sent thee. The man that met thee is one worldly wise man, and rightly is he so called, partly because he savoreth only the doctrine of this world. Therefore he always goes to the town of morality to church, and partly because he loveth that doctrine best, for it saveth him best from the cross. And because he is of this carnal temper, Therefore he seeketh to prevent my ways, though right. Now there are three things in this man's counsel that thou must utterly abhor. One, his turning thee out of the way. Two, his laboring to render the cross odious to thee. And three, his setting thy foot in that way that leadeth unto the administration of death. First, thou must abhor his turning thee out of the way. Yea, and thine own consenting thereto. Because this is to reject the counsel of God for the sake of the counsel of a worldly wise man. The Lord says, strive to enter in at the straight gate, the gate to which I send thee. For straight is the gate which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. From this little wicked gate, and from the way thereto, hath this wicked man turned thee, to the bringing of thee almost to destruction. Hate, therefore, this turning thee out of the way, and abhor thyself for hearkening to him. Secondly, thou must abhor his laboring to render the cross odious unto thee, for thou art to prefer it before the treasures in Egypt. Besides, the king of glory hath told thee that he that will save his life shall lose it, and he that comes after him and hate not his father and mother and wife and children and brethren and sisters, yea, and even his own life also, he cannot be my disciple. I say, therefore, for man to labor to persuade thee, that that shall be thy death, without which the truth hath said, thou canst not have eternal life. This doctrine thou must abhor. Thirdly, thou must hate his setting of thy feet in the way that leadeth to the ministration of death. And for this thou must consider to whom he sent thee, and also how unable that person was to deliver thee from thy burden. 
He to whom thou wast sent for ease, being by name legality, is the son of the bondwoman, which now is and is in bondage with her children, and is in a mystery this Mount Sinai, which thou hast feared, will fall on thy head. Now if she with her children are in bondage, how canst thou expect by them to be made free? This legality, therefore, is not able to set thee free from thy burden. No man was as yet ever rid of thy burden by him. No, nor ever is like to be. Ye cannot be justified by the works of the law. For by the deeds of the law, no man living can be rid of his burden. Therefore, Mr. Worldly Wise Man is an alien. And Mr. Legality is a cheat. And as for his son, civility, notwithstanding his simpering looks, he is but a hypocrite and cannot help thee. Believe me, there is nothing in all this noise that thou hast heard of these sottish men, but a design to beguile thee of thy salvation by turning thee from the way in which I had set thee. After this evangelist called aloud to the heavens for confirmation of what he had said, and with that there came words and fire out of the mountain under which poor Christian stood that made the hair of his flesh stand up. The words were thus pronounced, as many as are of the works of the law are under the curse. For it is written, Cursed is everyone that continueth not in all things which are written in the book of the law to do them. Now Christian looked for nothing but death, and began to cry out lamentably, even cursing the time in which he met with Mr. Worldly Wise Man still calling himself a thousand fools for hearkening to his counsel. He also was greatly ashamed to think that this gentleman's arguments, flowing only from the flesh, should have the prevalency with him as to cause him to forsake the right way. This done, he applied himself again to evangelists in words and sense as follows. Sir, what think you? Is there hope? May I now go back and go up to the wicked gate? Shall I not be abandoned for this and sent back from thence ashamed? I am sorry I have hearkened to this man's counsel, but may my sin be forgiven. Thy sin is very great, for by it thou hast committed two evils. Thou hast forsaken the way that is good to tread in forbidden paths. Yet will the man at the gate receive thee, for he has good will for men. Only take heed that thou turn not aside again, lest thou perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. Then did Christian address himself to go back. And Evangelist, after he had kissed him, gave him one smile and bid him Godspeed. So he went on with haste. Neither spake he to any man by the way, nor if any asked him would he vouchsafe them an answer. He went like one that was all the while treading on forbidden ground and could by no means think himself safe till again he was got into the way which he had left to follow Mr. Worldly Wise Man's counsel. So in the process of time, Christian got up to the gate. Now over the gate there was written, Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. 
Thank you for listening to today's episode. Your host has been Andrew Gomison, founder of Speaking for Him. For more information on today's show and to leave us comments and voicemails, visit speakingforhim.blogspot.com. You can find Andrew's ministry at speakingforhim.com. That's speaking, the number four, H-I-M. You can also interact with us at facebook.com slash speakingforhim and on Twitter at Speaking for Him. And when you look for us on iTunes and Stitcher, let us know what you think of the podcast by leaving a rating and review.